Welcome to the eighth episode of VS Small 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me this season is the guy who makes a point of never looking at the genitalia enough, David Bindley. This is the worst 7am booty call I've ever had. That's a lie, and you know it. <laughs> I'm a fucking delight. <laughs> oh my god, this episode. I was watching this episode yesterday, and genuinely, even though I am very much into the topic of the first challenge of this episode, I was so bored. Yeah, I, I was a film student for three years, and even I couldn't pay attention to it. No. Like, I love safaris. I love photography. I took copious amounts of photos when I went on safari, which we will obviously talk about uh, during this episode. But dear God, that first challenge did not belong on this show. No. And, um, I mean, we were made to look like fools from last week's episode, given that... Papa Bear came up with the goods and confirmed the premiere date of Belkia yesterday, Yay! as of the time of recording, which, as suspected, was March 19th. And I'll say this now, given the question did come up on the Bards of our Discord, yes, Suspect List will be back, assuming that, you know, we get the subtitles quick enough. Yes, First Suspicions will be back. And assuming that Papa Bear says yes, uh, I will be definitely the finale. Not sure if Logan will yet because that's uh, a discussion he has to have with himself about money. But I will definitely be at the finale, assuming that we are invited. Well, hopefully there's more than one suspect for suspect list this season. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting when I publish the results in a couple of weeks, and it's just like, Bindles, 100%, probably other people, 100%. I think I'm going to be very interested to find out in a few weeks whether everybody is on Euro at this point. Yeah. Surely everyone is. Well, except for Michelle, because isn't, isn't she on soy at the moment? Yeah, weirdly she seems to think that it is soy, which is, I mean, horrendously wrong. She might scrape through and get second in the uh, in the pool this year, purely by the fact that soy is probably coming second in the season. But yeah, soy is not the mole. And on the subject of finales, Vidim confirmed its finale location, and it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Hmm. Like it looks like a nice building they're going to be using because it's it's basically their version of the Queen Mother's old house, pretty much, which is nice, but also does make me wonder why they're not just doing it in Amsterdam like every other year. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago they did sell off Vondel CS, I think it was. Yeah, but they went they went back to the church for a while. Yeah, they sold off Vondel CS, but they're still using it for Mole Talk, I think. And as you said, the past couple of seasons, they have gone to Vondelkirk or to um, De Rode Hood, was it, last year, I think, in the centre of Amsterdam. This time, it's very much not in the centre of Amsterdam. And if I was planning on going to the finale in a couple of weeks, I would have had real trouble getting there, I think. At least they're not using Palais 12. I mean, 10,000 people getting invited. Who knows? I am quite relieved that Belkia aren't using Palais 12, I have to say, because if they're going to Kinepolis, it's going to be much more fun for me. Antwerp is a nicer city. Antwerp is a nicer city, and obviously I've talked about Logan and my adventures in Brussels last year in terms of there being a ever so slight language barrier compared to Antwerp. And um, it was just a more pleasant finale experience for us, I think. Rather than sitting in an arena, we got to sit in the press room and have everyone come to us. And have Papa Bear cackle at me. <laughs> um, 
And on the subject of Logan, his suspect for this week is, of course, Awertz from the original South Africa season. And I'm really confused about where he is. Do you know where he is? I do. He's wandering around an abandoned castle in Wales, wondering why there's no restaurants where he can buy a wombat anus smoothie. Look, these things can't all be winners, people. That does sound like the sort of thing that Logan would be looking for. Yeah. He is, in real life, though, in Bhutan, is it? Brunei? Brunei's the rich one. Bhutan's the one that has dicks everywhere. He's in one of those countries that you'd never expect him to be now, I believe. Mm. Which is, I mean, fun for him. I don't know. I think he has actually said he's there now. If he hasn't, then I apologise for doxing you, Saunders, but I'm pretty sure he has said it on Instagram that he's there now. Yeah, he's in Brunei. So previously, the Final Five reunited and saw South Africa from the air before they had a bumpy landing as not everyone followed instructions. Yoro dug his way to a meeting with himself at an individual challenge, finding out a secret about the mole money. In the Southern Hemisphere's largest test maze, a manual test allowed everyone to see each other's suspicions, but it was Anchor's flag that was at half-mast as she was sent home. And they are still somewhere around wilderness, and Rick tells us that only three candidates in the mole are left. If the scenery wasn't enough, they're about to go face-to-face on a safari with zebras, giraffes and lions, although they might rather go face-to-face with the mole, or an exemption for the finale. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point in the episode, I did just put a note, which is safari stories, exclamation point, but we'll get to those when we actually get to the challenge. So the episode title is Focal Point, Camera Pun, Wonderful, and it is day 15, somewhere in the Western Cape, and everyone's writing in the mole books in the van. Soy says he feels very excited to be in the final four, and Renomi asks him how far he'd go for an exemption, and he says he would go very far. And we also find out that Daniel apparently has many roles in the show. I, I did like Daniel kind of pointing out that the exemption is kind of meaningless at this point because you should know who the mole is. Yeah, I mean, this podcast, we are definitely Daniel's Daniels. Yes. He is wonderful, I can't wait for him to win the season. But he he says exactly what we think. If you don't know who the mole is by this point of the season, then an exemption's the only thing that's going to save you. And if you don't know who the mole is by this point in the season, how are you still here? Renomi. And Yoru and Soi have a conversation to clarify their relationship before the first challenge. They say their bond has suffered some damage after Yoru betrayed Soi's trust at the Creepy Church challenge. They both thought suck it to each other, and Yoru has a plan with the money that he spent, and it requires another treasurer to be selected. He tells Soi a vague thing about the money being important to look at, and he hoped when Anka went that Soy would become the treasurer. Soy, however, says in confessional that he doesn't trust him. It's weird that this whole scene is trying to paint Soy as untrustworthy, as, as though Yura has been perfect about this all season. Yeah, I think Soy had a massive spike in airtime this week, and I think it is basically because he's finally on the correct mole. So it's setting up that Renomi's going to go home at the execution next. I, I suspect we both agree on that. Yeah. Because Daniel and Soy both said at the test that they were going full beans on Yura. And I suspect that if Renomi's still on Soy, an extra five questions that she can manipulate probably aren't going to save her. That's weird because we got like a whole bunch more airtime for Soy, but then Renomi's airtime managed to go backwards. And like, I don't think I've ever seen somebody get to the final four on this show and have so little airtime. It's really interesting because. And this is the sort of thing that we'll end up probably discussing in a couple of weeks, but Daniel's airtime has been so massive, probably because he was by far the first person to be onto Yura. Yep. Soy had a massive amount of airtime at the start of the season, then it tanked, and it spiked this episode. And it is because he is finally 
on to Yura. So it's setting him up as probably being the loser in the final test. Renomi has had basically no airtime, but it's really interesting that the last time this test twist happened, which was El Salvador, Nicaragua, they basically did the same thing with the person who went home fourth there, in mm. that they completely cut the airtime of that person. And I'm not going to say who it is, because it's an amazing season and you should watch it. Absolutely should watch it. Yeah, they basically cut that person's airtime down to like 10% of what it had yeah. been, so that we weren't disappointed in the end. And I think mm. that's probably what they're doing with Renomi, is just essentially purpling her, so that when she gets executed after one challenge next episode, nobody's going to go, oh, I'm really disappointed about that. They're going to go, oh, well, at least Sly and Daniel are on the right person now. I, I wish they just hadn't done this twist, because honestly, it's a complete waste of everyone's time. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see next week how many challenges there are after the execution. Because they don't tend to execute people in the finale anymore. The last time was Peggy in Renaissance, and that was obviously a, a bit of a special case in the fact that they'd really messed with the episode order. But in terms of actual OG Vidim, they don't really tend to have four people going into the finale and execute someone halfway through it. No. Last time was Diedrich. Although that was a bit of a different situation. Yeah, that was a weird case in the fact that they cliffhangered the execution like they were on Netflix Mall. Yeah, just just because Diedrich was the only person anyone was there to watch. Yeah, Diedrich went within the first five minutes of the finale, whereas if you're looking at like a Tico situation or Rick's original season, you have like one or two challenges to begin with, then the execution, then one or two remaining challenges, then the final test. I love how neither of us can remember who the who the person in Rick's season was that went home in this situation. Oh no, I can, but I make a point of trying not to spoil seasons that we've never covered. I'm trying to keep this episode as spoiler-free as I can for anyone who's not seen those seasons. But yeah, Rick's season does feature this weird Final Four cliffhangery, testy thing. Yeah. So the first assignment is at the Botsley Cup Private Game Reserve, 52.5km west of Wilderness. And if you think I'm not going to beat this joke over the head, you are incredibly wrong this episode. You would never beat a joke over the head. Oh god, no. I, I wouldn't do it until it becomes funny again. Rick tells them that they will each be doing a two-hour safari ride and taking pictures along the way. They will need to take three photos that together will tell a story. And before that, they have to pick an envelope each. One is empty, one contains a thousand euros, one contains two thousand euros, and one contains an exemption of the finale. Whoever takes the best triptych will win the contents of their envelope. I would have loved to do this challenge, because yeah. taking photos on safari is the absolute best. It was the most fun when I was in South Africa. However, good TV it does not make. Yeah, this is a good thing to do. I think, it, I think it'd be a good thing on a show like Amazing Race or something like that. But because it's the mall and you need the extra layer where somebody can sabotage the challenge... This is not great because you've got to have the people separate, which means even if they are sabotaging, nobody can see it. Yeah. And it also doesn't help that Soy apparently does photography as a hobby, so Daniel ends up thinking that participating will be pointless. Yeah. Apparently he did a photography reality show in the Netherlands, and he was so much better than everyone else that when he got eliminated, they basically had to change the rules for the next season to add a jury save. Oh. Yeah, because I went and actually went and did a deep dive on, you know, why they were saying he was so good at it. Speaking of deep dives, this photographer 
<laughs> they spend more time on him in the mole book than they do on half the contestants. I loved it so much because I have never heard of him before. No. And if you Google him, he is not even known as a photographer primarily. He's known as a conservationist. He's the guy who first took pictures of great white sharks breaching, I think it was. Yeah. Um, he's he's mainly known for his work with sharks rather than photography as a primary thing. Of course. Uh, so Rick does introduce the judge, and his English is delightfully awkward. And they are specifically using the word triptych, which whilst is also a three-picture series in art, is a crime novel by Karen Slaughter. So I'm wondering whether that word will end up being a clue. Yeah, they, they were really trying to hit people over the head with the word triptych for some reason. Yeah. It isn't specifically photography as well, triptych. It's mainly used for paintings rather than photography. And before anyone emails in or tweets me, I know it can be used for photography as well, but it's not the first thing you think of when you hear the word triptych. Yeah, and and usually with paintings, it's basically one big picture with like just three frames pretty much. So it's like one shot sort of divided into three parts rather than three separate shots making a... So Daniel is happy that the camera has an automatic mode as he's never used a DSLR before. And the challenge title is the wonderful pun of Focus Group. <laughs> For all the issues we've had with this season, those puns are still very much on point. Yep. And I have to point something very interesting out right at the start of this challenge, because you wouldn't necessarily think it, but mm. when I went on Safari, I know I've mentioned I've been on Safari, but this is the week you can get on my Safari stories. We went on a private game reserve a couple of hours north of Port Elizabeth as it was at that time. We were there for three nights, so we did six game drives in total, all of like two, three hours, and it was amazing. I would recommend that anyone does it as a, uh, a trip, especially if you've got any interest in photography or wildlife, because it was just magical. But on the second day, we came across something that I have never in my wildest dreams thought I'd ever see, which was a rhino, which is what Soy sees. And we had kind of a very stoic safari driver and um we were the first people in three years to see a baby rhino that had been born at that reserve Aww. it was only probably about four or five weeks old it couldn't walk properly it was stumbling against its mum. it was just adorable hmm. and this very stoic safari driver got up and did a dance in front of the uh, in front of the safari vehicle he was that excited Aww. but what he basically said was by all means, take pictures of it, but do not put these on social media. Do not publicize that we have rhinos, because poachers will find them, and poachers yeah. will kill them. And I am very surprised that they included any rhino shots in this episode as a result of that. Mm. Because you don't think about it when you think, oh yeah, I'm going on a private game reserve safari. Yeah, But there is such a problem with poachers in that area of the world, especially when it comes to rhinos. And rhinos are beautiful. They are basically just grass hoovers. Yeah. And they're very, very docile and everything. And I took so many brilliant photos of them. But we couldn't put them on social media because mm. because we didn't want to endanger the rhinos. Yeah. So I'm actually very surprised that production decided to even show a glimpse of a rhino in this episode, even if even if people do Google Fox Look Up and find out they have rhinos. I'm very surprised that there is any identifiable information about where those rhinos are. They were kind of forced, because rhinos were in one of the photos, wasn't it? 
I think it was in the end, yeah. But I'm a little bit surprised they didn't say to them, you can't use any Rhino photos as a result of that. Because, yeah, you think, oh, yeah, it's it's only going to be broadcast in the Netherlands. But this is a show that has a very international community. Mm. And some irresponsible bastard could go, oh, my God, so I saw a Rhino. And then the poachers find it. As stupid as it is, as stupid as this little show is and as stupid as our little podcast is, Mm. like... It's a bit irresponsible from production, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, take all the pictures of hippos that you want, because hippos will fuck you up. Yep. But, yeah, don't do it with a rhino, especially a white rhino, as that was. i got a question for you. Yep. Awkward interview with the wildlife photographer, or awkward <laughs> interview with the hotel tour guide? Death is not an option. What, for me, of Rick? Yes. Photographer, any day of the week. It was so wonderful. <laughs> Because we've seen it in the past, and I know Rick occasionally does hear our podcast. We've seen it in the past that Rick is not as confident in his English as literally every other Vidum host we've had. So it's always wonderful when he just has a bit of an awkward conversation with someone in English. Yeah. I think Rick is a little bit more confident in his English than Soy was, because the other three all explained their, their concepts in English, and then Soy's was in Dutch right at the end which is about the most interesting thing that happens in this entire challenge. Like, imagine Rick hosting the weird underground spot the difference game in Oregon. (laughs) I can't imagine him talking to the woman sat on the bar like Art did. Well, he definitely wouldn't be able to flirt with her like Art did. So Daniel's impressed by giraffes, and the driver is completely nonplussed by them. And I have a wonderful giraffe story on that note, because you park your car in uh, in the car park at the game reserve, and then one of the game drivers picks you up in a jeep and takes you to where you're actually staying which is a good like 25 30 minutes away but obviously on the way in you you pass a giraffe and you go oh wow giraffes and then you have a a driver like this guy who's just completely nonplussed by them because he sees them every day yeah but yeah three days later when we were coming back we were seeing giraffes and going yeah giraffes we've seen them already now Mm, it's fine nothing special yeah but you kind of don't think about that when you're going on safari. You go, oh, wow, giraffes. And then by the end of it, you're just like, eh, giraffes, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I know. Like, I've, I've worked in tourism for six years, so this is... Um... <laughs> this is familiar to you. Yeah. But yeah, you don't think that you're going to be kind of nonplussed by giraffes within a couple of days. But then, yeah, I mean, yeah. giraffes are cool, but you could also see, like, lions. Yeah. Or hippos. Or rhinos. That's where it's cool. <laughs> I'm quite surprised you didn't see any elephants, actually. No. Because elephants were very prevalent when I did safari, including one of my favourite photos that I've ever taken, which is a uh, baby elephant trumpeting us, telling us to piss off. But we saw so many elephants, and we didn't see any in this episode, I don't think. We did see one, well, kind of, because it was one of the sample photos that they showed us. And they did that thing where they, they pulled the focus a little bit, and right where the elephant's head was, they pulled the focus, and then you see Yura's face, which... Kind of felt like that was what the episode title was hinting towards this week, which seems like it would have been super obvious, but it's also the sort of thing where, like, they love doing where it sort of refers only to, like, one little part of the shot. So talking of Yora, he has the world's most stupid concept for a triptych, because he's an ass man. He likes big butts and he cannot lie. And, like, if your theory about Yora being told, come up with a storyline beforehand because it needs to be something authentic. Why would you go for arse? Hmm. Of all the things. 
Yeah. Like, why would world famous photographer Chris Fallows just expose himself as an arse man? Look, Euro was feeling cheeky. Yeah, not being biased, but especially for a beginner, Daniel's photos were by far the best for me. Yeah. I was genuinely impressed by Daniel's uh, by Daniel's triptych. And, like, Euro's were very well taken, but also they did look like something out of Logan's animal collection. <laughs> as I said to you, if Logan was on this episode, I would have been spoilt for choice with his intro. He would have had so many Yura references in his intro. So Yura's looking for a big ass, a small ass, and one in between, and he's going for a body positivity theme, and his driver is understandably fairly confused at him. And Renomi is also looking at Impala asses, and she says she's taking a lot of photos and then going to find a theme later. Soy loses his shit when he sees giraffes and comes up with the concept of animals not wanting to be alone. And Daniel also has the idea of the feeling of being together and wants the coolest herd animals for his photos. He encounters buffalo, and his driver tells him that they're the most dangerous animals to encounter on foot, so do not leave the safari vehicle. Yura's looking for lions and asks why the safari vehicle is so open, and his guide, wonderfully deadpanned, says, because people aren't scared of lions. <laughs> And this is a running theme this season now, is South Africans sassing Yura when he asks a stupid question. As much as they haven't really done a lot this season that's justified going to South Africa, the locals this season have been great, all of them. Like, we've had the hotel guard, we've had the waiter at the cafe in the road trip, we've had safari driver here, we've had the people standing outside the crates in the first challenge. All the people carrying chairs as well. Don't forget them. Or the woman who knits knits socks for cats, was it? Aww. I, I still think we should get her to host next season. I'm not as down on this season as I think you are. Yeah. There was a lot of good stuff in the first half of this season, just yeah. the wheels have kind of come off a bit. But it feels to me like they're experimenting a lot in this season with what they can and can't do, because a lot of the back half of this season has been very experimental. Yeah. I don't mind that they're experimenting and using more stuff from Belgia and Finland and wherever else. I, th- I think a lot of that sort of hasn't paid off, and that's mostly not the show's fault. Like, I mean, I don't think the road trip with those challenges would have ever worked. Like, I think that was going to be a crap episode either way. I think it's like a lot of things that sort of maybe are better in concept than they are in execution. But compared to what Vidim is normally like, and especially because we've got the direct comparison to the last South Africa season they did, which was really great for probably seven or eight episodes, and then there was like one really, really terrible one in the middle. I think because we've got that comparison and we know what this show is like normally, I think this season sort of feels disappointing and mediocre in a way that the show normally isn't and even though we've had you know disappointing and boring seasons before and we've had seasons where we've known who the mole is very early before and we've had you know all of these different factors where you can drop the ball they've done seasons where that where it's happened we haven't had them all at once at the same time before which i think is what the problem is this season yeah i think it's very interesting that this is the only season where no green exemptions have been given out. This is also the 
only season since it was introduced where no black exemptions were available. And this is also the first season since Renaissance that the pot has actually been over €10,000. Yeah. They're the three big changes I can think of straight away in terms of stuff this season. And I mean, obviously the pot was quite difficult to get over €10,000, but it does end up hitting €10,000 in this episode. I do wonder if the contestants this season not really trying to sabotage that much is because, you know, we've had so many pot drains the last few seasons and they're like, the money's going out anyway. We might as well make it as high as we can first. And because they've lost so much money, we need to catch back up. So we're not going to sabotage now either. Yeah, I think a lot of it is to do with the casting of the season and the boot order and all that sort of stuff. And people who, outside of maybe Daniel occasionally, and outside of Europe, obviously, haven't really tried to sabotage that much and haven't really been that selfish. Mm. And arguably, there's been no exemptions for them to be selfish about or all that sort of stuff. But I think it is very interesting. I think history will be a lot kinder to this season than you'd maybe expect. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone's ever going to think of this as like top tier beers to mall. Like, as we get further away from it, I think it'll probably overtake maybe Sri Lanka and Dominican Republic and like those sort of really not great seasons. But I, I think sort of low to mid pack is where we're going to end up with this one. Yeah. I certainly don't think it's worst season ever territory. Yeah. Especially given that we're only four months out of Netflix mole. Yeah. But I think this season is a bit too experimental for its own good. Yeah. Like I don't mind that they've, done the experiments because a lot of them have been interesting experiments and you know things that have been worth trying like i don't think you can say with the possible exception of the road trip i don't think you can say this is a bad idea you should never have done it but like aside from the road trip the only experiment that i think really needed something else was i think you needed a money element in the haunted house like everything else i think has just been an okay sort of mid-tier Viestamol season that just hasn't panned out. Yeah, I don't think a lot of the problems are necessarily due to things production have done outside of the concepts episode of the road trip. Yeah. I think it's just a bit unfortunate occasionally. Like, I, I don't think it was in their plan for the Sanjin challenge to be that much of a flop. No. So Renomi loves lions. She takes a picture of two lionesses and then comes up with the concept of female strength for her triptych. And Daniel's driver makes weird noises to stop the rhinos running away. And there's even a baby rhino. It's so cute. Aww. And then everyone returns and presents their photos. And Chris says he's impressed by how pretty they all look. And considering his limited experience, Daniel did very well. And he even adhered to the rule of thirds, like a proper photography geek. Renomi is second with her female empowerment series. And I even had the note here that I don't think it needed to be in black and white. And Chris says he didn't get it because he didn't look at the genitalia enough. <laughs> For all our complaints that we've no fucking clue who Chris is, that was a wonderful line from him. Even Rick laughed. Yura's ass series is third, and he wrote a statement saying that Chris told them to take photos from the front so you could see their eyes, but he likes the third eye. Sawyer's last with his photos all about being not alone. And Chris didn't get the concept, and he even has some technical criticisms for Photography Geek Soy. Chris then does some B-roll looking at the pictures before his decision. Daniel gets 7.5 out of 10. Renomi gets 5. And Chris even mentions the black and white thing. Soy also gets 5. 
and Yora gets 8 out of 10, winning the challenge. The others are then asked to open their envelopes, and Yora can judge from their poker faces what they've got. Once the other three have all opened, he can swap his envelope for one of theirs if he wants. This is my main problem with the challenge, I think. Because yes, from a production standpoint, you probably want them all to get the exemption for the finale because it doesn't disadvantage anyone, it keeps money out of the pots, and it just makes them look a little bit more suspicious so that people are actually onto them. However, Yora cannot act for Toffee. No. Yora is so insincere, and we even get Soy calling him out for it, that this twist just doesn't work. Yeah. We haven't seen acting this bad on this show since Jan Verstag had to try and pretend he didn't know they weren't in Kiev. So for now we opens envelope 3, Daniel number 1, and Soy number 2. And Yora chooses to swap with Soy and gets the exemption after Finale, the only exemption of the season. And he even, after last week, thanks his last name. I'm going to be so disappointed if this is the payoff for an entire season of Poker Face references, by the way. It is, and you know it's going to be. <laughs> I know. So they all have dinner in a pub called Hoikatoika, and apparently it's a traditional South African pub, but not from my experience of being in South Africa. And it is also the only place this season that they have visited that is actually within the limits of the city of wilderness. My only note about this pub sequence is Soy finds an excuse to complain about the shitty music, which can best be described as what if apartheid technically ended but bluegrass was still considered too coloured? And I'm going to get hate mail for that joke. I know. And I told the joke about a third eye earlier. <laughs> so it is day 16, and Rick says that the first finalist is now known thanks to world-famous photographer Chris Fallows. The others must now immediately take a test, a test which has questions on future assignments. And everyone finds it strange that there has only been one assignment so far before they have to take a test. This isn't the first time they've done that. The two Carol seasons... Both of them, they were basically only doing two challenges an episode, and they they pulled this sort of twist in those seasons. One of them was the second challenge was, you know, go find the laptop and do the test, your time starts now sort of thing, like the market in Hong Kong. So they've done that one, and then they've also done, we're going to do the test now, and then the person who gets the red screen gets a chance to win their way back in the second challenge, which I think both of those are more interesting ways of doing it than this one. Yeah, especially something like the Hong Kong one where you can add time to your test, but also there's advantages to tempt you away from that laptop. Yeah. And in the van, Soi brings up a treasurer switch, and it's completely undramatic, and he becomes the treasurer, and Daniel's seventh personality is apparently being very laissez-faire about a treasurer switch. Is this the first time we've heard the full test music all season? Yeah, I, th- I think it might be purely because they had to pad so much in this episode that they can just include the full music cues. Yeah. I can't believe we had like that really long interview at the start with the world-famous wildlife photographer that we've absolutely, totally heard of before. Then we had a really long sequence of him analysing the photos in front of everyone and you know the explanations and everything. And then we had Rick sort of re-explaining his notes. My favourite thing about the entire episode is the awkward B-roll of him looking at the tablet when he's seen the pictures and already made his decision, but they need to pad for another minute in this episode. Yeah, God, there's so much filler in this episode. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least will go home, except for the mole who can never go home. 
and Yora has an exemption, Obda Finale. And did you notice where the test takes place? Uh, a motorcycle mechanic place, I think. It is at a place called De Smitswinkel, which is a restaurant in Utzorn, 71 kilometers from Wilderness. Of course it is. So they have actually, in this season, done one bit, actually, in the bounds of Wilderness, which was the dinner on day 15. Literally everything else has either been in George, in Utzorn, to the west of George, literally everywhere around it, apart from in Wilderness. And the best thing about it is... Wilderness isn't even that large a city. George is the large city around there, because that's where the loved ones of Demol Belkia Season 5 flew into. That is the place that they probably should have put as their anchor, and it would have been at least broadly acceptable for most of these challenges. But the fact that they are travelling 71 kilometres to the restaurant, and then another about 50 kilometres after that to get to, get to the dam, because the dam's actually quite close to George again. They go all the way back to just do that. Maybe the Airbnb was cheaper or something. I don't know, because I presume they're still going to be staying at that at that lodge overlooking the sea. Because yeah. they don't seem to be moving them around hotel-wise very much anymore on Bidham. But it's just really weird to make them travel 70 kilometres north to then travel another 50 kilometres south. Yeah. And the map thing's weird as well, because like we've barely been in Wilderness. We weren't in Matches Fontaine for that long. We we only really did one challenge in Toolbar. It's just been a weird season. And like even Cape Town. Cape Town had the Saldana challenge, which was a hundred and ten kilometers, I think it was, away from Cape Town. Yeah. It's just weird. Hmm. The map this season is just weird. And I knew it was gonna be, but it's actually weirder than I expected. Yeah. So Renomi had a feeling she'd either go out early or last for ages, and at this point, the competitive athlete is coming out in her, and she wants to win at all costs. Daniel says he deserves to be in the final, he took the stupid gamble to go all in on Euro last test and got a green screen, so he wants to do it again, but it could very well still be so in Renomi. And Daniel, you are as bad an actor as Yora is, because we know you went full on Yora on this test, and have been for at least two or three tests at this point. Yeah, I was trying to work out because he says he got a green screen when he went all in on Euro, but it means nothing. But then I was trying to work out when that happened, because he didn't do the full test last episode. He was exempt in episodes five and six. Episode four was the Arnic twist. So he has to have been full in on Euro since at least episode three. Yeah, unless he was talking about last episode where he still got a green screen, even though he only did 18 questions. Yeah, I don't know. Soy is putting everything on Euro, but he was happy to see a question asking if the mole was treasurer. And Daniel says they've already had some weird tests, and question 15 is one all about laser tag, which they've not done yet. The penny drops to Soy, and he realises they're answering five questions about assignments that have not been done just yet. When they reunite, Yora finds out that they're all answering questions on assignments they've not done, and initially they don't share the information about what the questions were. Yora has enough information already, but Daniel is an open book and tells him some of them anyway. Yeah. I kind of feel like there's no better metaphor for how this season has gone than the damp squib reaction the laser game com- gets compared to how they normally react to it. Yeah. And I'm going to say something now which contravenes exactly what I said earlier in this episode, in that I'm going to spoil another season right now. So if you haven't seen El Salvador and Nicaragua, maybe skip ahead about 30 seconds. But it's so interesting seeing the parallels with this twist 
and when they did it in El Salvador, Nicaragua, because you have a mole winning the exemption up to Finale, you have the predict the future challenge, and then it leads into a heights related challenge, which the mole quote unquote needs information on for doing the test. It's so interesting to see the parallels in this, and I don't know whether they were deliberately rehashing it for fun, but it's just an interesting choice. It's interesting that this time the extra questions are part of the 20, when in El Salvador and Nicaragua they were like 21, 22, 23. I mean, five questions is a lot out of the 20 to put as the predict the future twist. And arguably, if Renomi doesn't go home next week, then whoever does got screwed by this twist. Yep. And I also have the note at this point, because I was looking at the time left on the episode, I think it was 12 minutes left, I'm just like, it's going to be a cliffhanger, isn't it? They're going to do the Predict the Future cliffhanger again, aren't they? Ugh. And yeah, they do. Spoilers. So Rick meets them at Stomp Drift Dam, and he says there is a good chance that the money they will earn in the next challenge will be going up in smoke. They have to open the cages containing the money and save it, but the information they will need to open the cages is in the hands of their opponents. The opponents trot out over the dam, and they will try and shoot the contestants, and this is the assignment that they thought would never come. It is time for a laser game. Each person, opponents, and contestant have three lives, and once the opponent is shot, they will drop a label which they can use to unlock the cages, and they have 30 minutes, and if they lose all their lives, they will lose all the money that they're carrying, but there is a safe zone where money can be kept, and they can work out the direction locks. This was a very hard challenge to follow. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't mind the laser tag aspect, and I didn't mind the puzzle aspect, it just they didn't go together. No, there's something to be said about not doing a laser game during the middle of the day. Yeah. That doesn't help, because usually if they do it during the day, it's it's in an enclosed location where it's still at least spooky. Yeah. Whereas this is in the middle of the South African countryside in a very small field in front of the dam. And it's very difficult to follow, because the whole logic of the working out the locks, and everyone hates the directional lock, especially if you're in an escape room. Mm. But the idea is that they drop the tags, and then there's a country on that tag that has to be identified on the map, and they've got to work out whether it's north, west, east, or south of the midpoint that's on the map, and then use that to dictate what the the lock directions are. Obviously, this being Vidum, all of the locations are places that Vidum has been in the past, and I'm presuming that there will be at least one clue in the locations that they picked. But it's not very easy for the audience to follow along with, I would say. No. And it does also get to the point where the the attackers just kind of give up and uh, and don't even shoot Renomi when she's unlocking cages. Well, they, they only had four attackers to start with. And if they got shot pretty early, like Daniel and Yuri did, then there's not that much chance for Renomi to get shot at all. So Sai answered the question that the mole had zero lives left, so he just decides to shoot Daniel and be a prick. And he also gets the first opponent, and Yuri gets a tag from it, but loses a life in the process. He loses a second one running back, and Sai also shoots Daniel a second time, just for funsies. Renomi runs for the second drop tag and gets shot. Yuri shoots another opponent and runs for that tag, and then Daniel's shot for a third time, and all he's allowed to do now is decipher codes. With the tag in his hand, Yora is out of lives. Which is basically the only thing the mole can do in this case. Yeah. However, what I will say is that they were very disappointed that they could no longer complete Code 3. But hmm. you've kind of got a 1 in 4 chance. Surely Yora looked at the tag when he picked it up, so he can remember what the location was on it. 
And also, even if you don't know what it was, you've got a one in four chance. If you shoot enough of the attackers, you can just try it four times and unlock it. And and if you know that the, the locations are uh, you know from old seasons, there's only so many places you can do. Yeah, there's only going to be at this point what twenty one is it? Uh, this is because Italy's been done twice. No, it's only China. China's been done twice. Uh, Australia's been done twice. South Africa's been done twice. That's it. Um, so twenty. So twenty three plus Renaissance twenty four. Couple of the, like the two location seasons, but I think the only one that would have maybe been in different regions was Northern Ireland and Jordan. So it's probably only about 25, 26 locations at most. And you can narrow it down so easily. Yeah. In fact, it must be 24 because each of the sequences was six, I think, and there were four cages. So logic would dictate that there was probably 24 locations that it could have been, and they can just puzzle it out that way. But also, more importantly, maybe if it was 25, there was one location left over, which is going to provide a hint to the mollus. So they get all three parts of the first code, and all of them seem to form in mole countries, as we said. And thanks to Euro losing a tag, they apparently can't do anything with code number three. The first cage is open and it's worth 1,250 euros, and Renomi also gets a second cage worth 1,000 euros with a minute to spare. Soy realises that Renomi still has lives and wants to guarantee a point in the test, but he chooses not to shoot her. And Rick returns and tells them they earn 2,250 euros of 3,000 for the challenge, 2,250 euros of 5,000 for the episode, and 10,650 euros of 46,185 for the season so far, and they are all through to episode 9. They will do one more assignment before the execution, and the answers that they have already given could be crucial. And that's the end of the episode. So next time, a light bit of abseiling panics Renomi and Soy, and they have calls from the past before the mole rings once more. I did get a laugh at Rick doing that old, you know, fourth wall, you'll see next week cliffhanger, like they used to do with the mole reveals. And then you're returning to look at the camera like, who the fuck are you talking to, Rick? So in the pool, obviously there's no change. And in First Suspicions, obviously there's still no change as well. And as of Sunday evening, I know you're aware of this stat, Yura is the most suspected person by the Netherlands with 57% of the votes, followed by Soy on 16, Renomi on 14, and Daniel on 13. And as always, you can do the Bothers about Suspect List each week at suspectlist.rtvwarriors.com or by clicking the link in our bio. I think I'm going to regret asking this question, who do you suspect who's going home? I mean, do I really need to answer at this point? <laughs> We're getting to the point of the season where I'm just like, yeah, just let's get it over with. We know it's Yura. We're both going to pick him. I've already scheduled the suspicions thing. Yeah, it, it's Yura. Renami's going home next week. Yeah, I agree. As much as I want to be a contrarian prick, yeah, I agree on both counts. It's 100% Euro, and I'm, I would say 99% sure that Logan is going to lose his entire team next week. Yay! I mean, that's that's the only reason I'm here, just to watch Logan lose. It is, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. What else do we say about this episode? I don't know. I, I, I do think if, like, if I had to rank the other three players, Renami's still the bottom anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Renault's uh, been my bottom suspect on the suspect list for six yeah. weeks, is it now? Yeah. When did Sandra go? Was it six weeks ago? Like it was six weeks. Uh, episode three. Yeah, so this is the sixth week on the trot that Renomi is my bottom suspect. I genuinely don't know whether I'm going to put Soy or Daniel first. Or well, second. I've literally not changed anything from last week. My yeah. order last week was 
Yoro Daniel Sai Renomi, and my order this week is Yoro Daniel Sai Renomi. This was a week where kind of you know things happened, but also nothing happened. Yeah. Have you got anything else you want to say? No. Oh god, I hope Rick wasn't talking to Katie. Yeah, Rick's been possessed by Katie. That's why he's a bit more kind of a bit more animated this season. So, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2023 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mall in South Africa. Don't forget to contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Ben Nuzz is on Twitter at The Grim Recap, and I'm MJ Helmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Enrico for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Butts!